What's happening, weirdos? This is my chat, my conversation, my chinwag with the incredible, incredible, I don't say that lightly, Stephen Pressfield, whose book, amongst others, his book, The War of Art, has absolutely transformed and changed my life and countless other people and creative people who are trying to do their calling, to follow their bliss, to write that book, to write that script, to write that song, to start that um, physical transformation, whatever it is, Stephen Pressfield wrote this book to help you get over what he calls resistance or the resistance. It came about because I texted Ryan Holiday. I was like, I don't know what's going on, man. I've had this movie idea for almost 10 years. I just can't write it. I, I know it. It's outlined. Uh, I, I have interest. I want to do it, but I can't sit down and do it. And he said, read The War of Art. I listened to it on tape, on tape, you know what I mean? And, I, and I'm almost done with it. I mean, I read it. It's exactly the kick in the pants that I needed, the gentle, loving kick in the pants, and I'm off to the races. I'm almost done. So uh, this is going to be a book that I've already listened to twice, and I will always go back to whenever I need that boost to get it done. And if you guys have a project like that, you are going to benefit from this conversation deeply. I know I did. It's incredible. He also has a new book out called Government Cheese, G-O-V-T, Cheese, uh, which is incredible. It's his memoir. I'm loving that as well. He has other books, Going Pro, which is also incredible. Just check him out. But especially The War of Art, give it a read, especially if you have a project that you've wanted to get off the ground and you just couldn't. So check him out and you're going to enjoy this chat. Just a couple things to plug up top. I have some tour dates. Where am I going to be? I'm going to be, and this is when I found out where I'm going to be, Denver. That's going to be awesome. St. Louis, Raleigh, North Carolina, Salt Lake City. We're adding more and more dates to PeteHolmes.com. I know I'm going to be coming to Indiana soon. So whenever you listen to this, just go to PeteHolmes.com. Chances are I will be touring and coming to a town near you. Hope you can be there. And those of you that are new to the show, uh, you might not know this, but we only do ads for things that I actually use and actually love. And these Pete's Picks at the top of the show are absolute OG Pete's Picks. Magic Mind, you guys know I talk about Magic Mind a lot. I'm always offering it to the guests. Why? Because I want them to be on their game for the show. And when I am feeling sluggish, creatively drained, a little fatigued, having a hard time thinking, focusing, dialing in, Magic Mind is a magical elixir that helps me focus better, helps you focus better on your work, be more creative, and drink less coffee. Athletes have Gatorade. Now creators have Creatorade. It is a mix of 12 functional ingredients, including matcha, nootropics that help you focus, and adaptogens that help you fight off stress. So it sort of rounds the edges of your coffee so you can drink it with your coffee or by itself. It doesn't make you wired. It gets you dialed in. 30% more stuff done on average. Five to seven hours of 30% more productivity after drinking fighting off procrastination, brain fog, fatigue, and some ADD symptoms, getting you into that flow state. I love it. I find it mood elevating. I find it really, really helpful when I need to dig in and do work, answer emails, or write. It's incredible. And I have an amazing offer for weirdos from our friends at Magic Mind. All you have to do is go to magicmind.co slash weird and use my discount code at checkout weird for a limited 20% off. That's magicmind.co slash weird and use discount code weird for 20% off your first order. I swear, I swear by it and I hope you love it too. 
We're also brought to us by our friends at Living Libations. For years, I've been mindful about what I put in my body. But a couple years ago, I realized I wasn't being careful about what I put on my body, which, of course, ends up in your body. I was buying shaving cream and face washes that I thought were good because they had fancy French names and sold at mall kiosks. But, of course, these things are filled with chemicals linked to disease and toxicity levels never intended for human skin or your body. And then I realized I want to eat food where I recognize the ingredients and I want my skincare to be the same. Enter Living Libations. Not only the best and most effective skincare, hot hair, eyes, teeth, and baby care products I have found, but also the most natural. You're not making compromise. It's badass, effective, powerful stuff, and it's natural. Made exclusively with plants and oils and extracts that not only will you recognize, but you'll be able to easily pronounce. And now that it's summer, having a natural zinc-based sunblock for Leela is so important. And so many of the ones that I see online just aren't. Their Love the Sun sunblock not only works and lasts a really, really long time, both the bottle lasts a long time, but also lasts on your skin a long time. We can feel great about putting it on ourselves and on our baby all summer long. So this is a great way to support the show. Get something small, get something big. Either way, you will be showing your love and your support of the show and your body some love as well. Go to livinglibations.com slash weird for 15% off. That's livinglibations.com slash weird. All right, everybody. Enjoy the wonderful chat with the wonderful Stephen Pressfield. Get into it. This is from my, I had a talk show, and this is what that's from. Uh-huh. Isn't that fun? Yeah. So we just, we just repurposed it. <laughs> yeah. We're rolling. Okay, we're rolling. <laughs> There's no real formality. You can just hold it like you're eating an ice cream cone. Okay. That's, that's the tip. Okay. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Pete? We've just met through Ryan Holiday. Yeah, we did. You know, over email. That's right. So that's great. He's introduced me to a lot of great authors and, and just great people. And we tend to be drawn to similar people. And he's really drawn to you. He loves you. He keeps posting about... Oh, I love him, too. He's, yeah. a, he's a great guy, and he's taught me a lot, I'll tell you, for somebody that's like 40 years younger than me or whatever. Isn't that annoying? Yeah, it is annoying. When does he do all that writing? Yeah, yeah. Some people just have a compulsion, it seems to me. Like, I, I, I don't mean it like bad compulsion. Uh-huh. I mean, like, I think he's compulsed <laughs> to write. Like, I don't think... You know, it's interesting reading your work... You, uh, I'm, I'm reading Government Cheese right now, but uh, also War of Art and some of your other things. It's like, what does it feel like to not write always comes up to me. Like, especially in Government Cheese. You know, I'm reading what it was like. I'm just making sure this is off. I'm reading what it was like before you found your flow and found your purpose. And it's really interesting to hear all the, all the shame <laughs> and the guilt and the well, listlessness. I mean, did you, were you immediately a comic, like Don't straight out of high school this, or something? Steven. Don't you do this. <laughs> well, it's funny. I, I've been thinking, I'm writing a joke about anxiety right now. And the, the, the crux of it is everybody complains about too much anxiety. And I get it. But nobody's, nobody's screaming the virtues of just the right amount uh, of anxiety. Yeah. And I want to write a joke about, the, I only really have the opening line as I go, I have anxiety. Thank God. Uh-huh. Right? I understand it's a bell curve. Too much is uh-huh. debilitating, but not enough is no. Is, that's that's good. Is numb. But yeah, I'm going to ask you. But that's. I know I'm supposed to be interviewed, but no, I'm gonna, it's okay. I'm ask you something. Go ahead. When you say you're writing, you could a use joke, a day off. 
<laughs> you are a day off. I'm so excited to talk to you. I don't. I don't feel pressured or beholden. When I have a day writing a joke, tell when me. You say when you say you're writing a joke. Yes. You make it sound like it's going to take you three weeks or a month or something. I mean, is it just is a joke like this joke? Will it be like a setup line and a punchline? That's the whole thing. Or no. will it be a whole? What will it be? I think you could do it as well if you have an area that you are deeply passionate about. So I, when I was young, starting as a comic, I knew I had a joke when I had something clever that would uh, literally almost like a, like a trap you set in the woods. Like it's a, uh -huh. a hair trigger uh -huh. and you'll uh -huh. go in it and it'll snap and uh -huh. it'll close you. So an example of that would be, um, I bought a paper shredder. This is an old joke of mine. Um, I love that my paper shredder came with a manual because that's the first to go. Uh, right? That's just a joke. Uh -huh. um, it, it gets better after that I go. I just plugged in the shredder, put in the manual, like if this doesn't shred, I'll read it. Uh -huh. right? it's, it's clever. Uh -huh. It's a joke. That's uh -huh. a setup. I bought a, a uh -huh. shredder and a punchline. It's actually two lines. Anyway, now, just like you, when I, I'm assuming you're, you're thinking of things you can write about, I get a white light in my belly of, I couldn't forget this if I tried. I write it down not to remember it. I write it down to exercise it from my uh -huh. body. Uh -huh. And when I go on stage, I have, don't, don't forget to talk about anxiety, but I didn't have to like try to remember I have anxiety. Thank uh -huh. God. That's how I feel. Uh -huh. It's like writing the music, uh -huh. you know, and I go, and I, I can go on stage. It gets a little tricky as to whether or not I can yank if I can fishnet the whole audience over my shoulder like Santa Claus and bring them with me uh -huh. on that feeling, that's where the, the craft comes in. But the identification of what a joke is now comes from a strong feeling, which often isn't funny. It's uh -huh. just a deeply excited, uh -huh. urgent feeling. And to answer my own question and to put it back to you, when I don't let those things out and then share them, it feels like, too much anxiety. Ah. It'll fester like a pond and get scummy ah. and gross and unclear. Ah. But if I keep it moving and pass I'm it on... I'm definitely a believer in that. Yeah, yeah. But you know, when you're talking about, I have anxiety, thank God, Yeah, that could be a book. That yeah, could for sure. be a book the size of The War of Art or something like that, a 190-page yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do an entire thing, really. I have anxiety. Actually, you in, think in about defense it, of anxiety. nobody's done it, you know? In defense of anxiety. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. That's I well. It's a concept. That's a very sweet. I love that compliment. And I'm like you. I, I want to find. I think I'm like you in that you just <laughs> did this. I want to find what the joke, where the joke belongs, the best. Like where the idea, excuse me, belongs. Uh -huh. Sometimes a joke is a joke. Sometimes it's a movie. Sometimes it's a book. Sometimes it's a cartoon. Like I found, uh -huh. I submitted some cartoons to the New Yorker because I was like, that's that just is a New Yorker cartoon. So you had to put did you it. Get accepted? I did. It took uh, it took about you. a year did and they a half. Pay you? I think it's something like four or five hundred bucks per cartoon. Why not? Yeah, if York. you break it down yeah, yeah. to the time, yeah. though. <laughs> well, I guess that answers why I'm not still doing it. <laughs> I think if you get on contract, uh -huh. just because you seem like an interested person, yeah. if you get a contract with them, it's more money. Uh -huh. But if you're just freelancing, uh -huh. it reminds me of your story, hacking together little gigs and yeah. finding your place here and yeah. there. But, but here, now I am going to put it to you. I told you that when I don't create and share and reflect and and be reflected to that like beautiful mm -hmm. circle of sharing, it's not just narcissism. Me saying I like anxiety, uh -huh. Uh -huh. and and they're just they, they also 
feed it back to me and the feedback and the laughs and the groans and the and the silence it's this it's this beautiful dialogue and it makes me feel connected and alive and safe it uh, makes me feel safe i go uh-huh. these people understood me uh-huh. so you in your book uh government cheese uh g-o-v-t cheese because because the government doesn't, doesn't look right government spelled out i agree yeah government yeah yeah you're not here to govern the cheese uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> gov to cheese but you write about this i love you use the word feckless because it's just such a great word because um, it sounds like a bad word, but it's not. <laughs> uh, your early years, I was really struck with how many times you called yourself a loser. Because there's part of me that, like, my heart sort of connected and broke for young Stephen. And this is kind of before you found your path. Would you talk a little bit about what it feels like before you found? Look at your Zen eyes. What do you? What are you doing? You 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 deep in your heart right now. What's like? happening? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, what does it feel like to not create? Isn't that why you create? Because it feels better than not creating. Uh, let's see if I can let's see if I can get this right. Like I sort of started. What sort of put me on this downward spiral, this loser spiral, was as a young uh, writer, copywriter at an ad agency, as in the book. Yeah, I had a boss who wrote a novel that was a hit, an overnight hit, and he became an overnight yeah, success. Chocolate and Popsicle something? Chocolate Days, Popsicle Weeks by Ed Hannibal. You can look it up. It was a good book. Can I also say, when you said that, I had a nice perspective where I was like, here you are, young Stephen, going, Chocolate Days and Popsicle Nights. Imagine if I could be the guy that wrote Chocolate Days <laughs> and Popsicle Nights. And here we are in 2023 going like, what and what? Like it, it, It's so ethereal. It, it fades. Yeah, it's true. It all yeah. goes away. Yeah, yeah. But okay. So... I try. I said, "Well, shit! How hard can it be? Yeah. Let me let me write one too." So I just sort of totally was over my head, and the whole thing crashed. My marriage blew up. Blah blah blah. Because blah, of the blah. book. Because of the book. Because I didn't finish the book. Because I crapped out at the end, et cetera, and other things. Was it that I was did. writing the book Jeopardy? Because I was interested. You're very. You're almost like Hemingway. You're very tight. Uh-huh. Succinct, masculine. Uh-huh. So you're going bang, bada bang, bada bang, and uh-huh. I couldn't finish the book. I got 99.9% uh-huh. of the way, and then I sabotaged myself, uh-huh. and, and Leslie and I fell apart. And I'm over here going, like, I, I love it. I wouldn't change a thing. But now that I'm talking to you, I'm like, was it the writing of the book, or was it the not finishing of the book that really fudged the book? It was the not finishing of it. It was a sort of the failure of uh, being a good husband, the failure of being a provider, the failure of being a man, that kind of thing. Right. And, uh, so I forgot even what the question was we were talking about. We're talking about what it felt like to not write. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I felt like a complete loser at that point. Yeah. And and I was, you know, in in certainly in my wife's eyes, in my eyes, in my family's eyes. And the next thing I knew, I was sort of on the road. I sort of fell out of the bottom of the middle class. Mm. And, uh, you know, there was such a... A, a stink of defeat about me that like if I went in for a to apply for a white collar job you know people would like get nervous just sitting across from me you, you had know, a that, vibration yeah exactly yeah. you know I mean it sounds no. like a joke but it's not I and, believe in this so hard let's not sidetrack too much but I just okay. want to yes and your premise there's ruts we get into and I like vibration because it's like the, the subtle way you're it's shaking yeah. starts telling people, almost like a predator or almost like a sound in the yes, woods, like yes. as instinctual as those things, we go, 
I can't. I told my therapist that that somebody in my family was having a hard time getting getting a therapist, and he was like, "Everyone I called would turn me down." <laughs> ah. And my therapist goes, "Yeah, I do that all the time. Ah. You can just tell. Yeah. There's something about it." On I the never phone. thought about that. Isn't that but crazy? I'm sure that's true. Isn't that yeah. crazy? I was like, I thought you had to see everybody. Yeah. He's like, "No, Pete. There's some people yeah. you just go like, not yeah. me. Yeah, let's start somewhere else." So that's where I was. That's okay. who I was. That's oh. the groove I was in, and so. The next thing I knew, the only jobs I could get were the kind of blue-collar jobs that all you have to have is a pulse yeah. to get the job, you know, like working in oil fields or working in a mental hospital or something Did like that. Did you see the movie yeah. The Master? Uh, no, Paul Thomas I didn't. Anderson. Oh, God, ah, run. I've heard of it, so yeah. So good. It just reminds me of the of the, the character, the lead character, Joaquin Phoenix's character, is very feckless and taking these pulse jobs. Like he's uh, harvesting cabbages, and you're just like, yeah, this yeah. guy, very lost. That's a real world. That's yeah, a, very lost. So you definitely, at that time, feel like a loser, and everything Can reinforce, we <laughs> reinforces that. Yeah, you're losing at Western capitalist success yeah yeah okay. you're thinking about your classmates from high school or from college or whatever where they are yeah they're married they have children they have jobs blah 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 and you don't so but at the same time i knew because i had what had started this for me was not finishing a book i knew the only way for me to get out of this is at some point I've got to sit down and write something. Doesn't you know? this sound like a story from the Old Testament or like a myth? It, it does. It's like the prodigal son or it something is. like There's that, right? Something, you know? Well, you got broken and had but, to go back home to yourself. But I think know? it's true, really, truly, Pete, for like everybody I think goes through. I'm doing a little thing on Instagram now about um, what I call a passage through the wilderness, which I think a lot of us have, right? We fall out of, we have a period of our lives where we're really in the wilderness, right? Mm. We, we, we're addicted to something, we're in jail, we're just all screwed up or whatever it is. And how, do you, how you come out of it is by facing whatever the demon was that put you into the wilderness in the first place. That's right. So, you know, like if somebody wanted to be a stand-up comic, but they were afraid to get on stage, or, and so they went off into some other, you know, other dimension, other path of life. Yeah. They would, and they were miserable. They started drinking, et cetera. They, whatever. Yeah. They would know. Fuck! I got to get on that stage at some point. Yes. I got to face the music. Right. This is why. Is there anything yes. in? Am I ringing any kind of bells with You're you? You're ringing all sorts of bells. Uh huh. Oh, absolutely. So I grew up in a, a household that was incredibly loud and unstable and a lot of fighting, and I hated it. And then I, and, and alcohol was involved. And then I got into a profession where it's my job. I was incapable of settling down these Greek gods, uh -huh. these giants, fucking scary, uh -huh. sitting, tense meals. Uh -huh. Then I got into a job where it's my job. To go out in front of drunk people and uh -huh. settle them the fuck down. Uh huh. What is that? That's circling back to the dragon. Uh huh. And finding incredible satisfaction out of like, not uh -huh. this dad, not this mom. Uh -huh. Fuck you. It's uh -huh. great. It's incredible. Uh -huh. So absolutely. But you also rang a bell. I just. Um, I don't. I hope you like the movie Bagger Vance. I know you wrote the book, so I'm sure you have some Stephen King shining feelings about it. But I rewatched that movie. 
uh, because I love that movie. I, I was at a great age when that movie came out, and I, going back to it, it was just so comforting and beautiful. Oh, really? And so yeah, I really like it. Have you read the book? I haven't read the book. Well, you I'm should sorry. read the book. Yeah, yeah. Here's the author <laughs> telling sure, me. But no, I know. I bet. I know. I, I will. Mean, from what little I know about you, the themes in there will ring. Bells I believe you it. Too. You're just seeing embarrassment that I have, <laughs> and I'm talking to yeah, you. Yeah, okay. But I've I'm read sorry. so many of your other things. But I'm no, sorry. I will. I, I'm glad. I'm just. I'm just noting if you saw uh-huh. a little flutter in uh-huh. my cheeks. I'm just uh-huh. embarrassed. Um, but. That movie, uh, we uh, that story, Matt Damon's character, uh, J- Juna. Juna, Randolph Juna, yeah. Juna. Uh, they say Juna so many times in that movie. I was like, Juna, Juna, Juna. <laughs> There's a lot of Juna. Anyway, he also, he runs away from his calling because yeah. the war of life, and he gets into drinking, the, the war, literally, and he gets away from his calling, and then he has to come back to it, and he's garbage at it. But it's the it's the pattern you're describing, yeah, which is which true. I was totally unaware of when I was working on it. No kidding. Yeah. Tell me, what do you mean you just stumbled on it? Well, I, you know, um, are, have you heard of? I'm going to get wonky here on you, but that's Wonk what we want to do, right? It's called, we we made it um, weirder. Are you familiar with the Hindu scripture, the Bhagavad Gita? A wee bit. That, so, Bhagavance is stole Arjuna? the plot. Oh. Of the Bhagavad Gita, which the Bhagavad to get this is I hope our listeners are you have no to, idea where you are you're uh, in the safest place to talk uh, about this so he's Arjuna so yeah is Chris, Arjuna is Bagger Krishna and Bagger is Krishna I mean one wow. of the one of the titles of respect for Krishna as I'm sure you know is Bhagavan yeah Bhagavan so that becomes Bagger Vance you know Bhagavan meaning Lord yeah so. The the whole story of uh, of the Gita is the great warrior Arjuna laying down his arms, refusing to fight on the eve of a great battle because and they're all his relatives, all his relatives and, he goes, and I teachers. Can't do this. Yeah, and, yeah, right. And his charioteer happens to be Krishna, i.e., God in human form. Yeah, and so Krishna. Sort of, uh, it's a mentor-protege story where he sort of teaches, you know, Arjuna about duality and non-duality, karma, previous lives, all these great, yeah, you know, and roles, Hindu Christian and and roles, yeah. right? Yeah, and obligations and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Juna, Arjuna is a great warrior, and his Wait, role Juna. is to fight. Wait a minute. Yeah. Shut the. F- Get out of here. I'm just putting this together. His name is Juna. In other words, that was sort of where I was coming as far as coming from as far as uh, structuring the story rather than thinking about it in that in that other way which I didn't think about it at all. But you were smart enough to know that there are brilliant stories like The Prodigal Son that touch on I'm I, a I big believer in stealing from great stories. Are you crazy? Romeo and Juliet, whatever. You know, yes. go for it. They're doing all this great legwork for you. It's like learning from your elders. It's, yeah. it's the yeah. same exact thing. It's not yeah. theft. It's almost out of respect. Yeah. Right? It's not, it's not stealing if you put a spin on it. With jokes as well, right? Oh, absolutely. We, well, it used to be over there, but we got Steve Martin. All these people whose albums I absorbed... You'd be insane to think that I just went up. Yeah, I yeah. don't talk like this. The way I'm talking to you right now, yeah. this is not how yeah. I talk. This is how I learned uh-huh. how to talk by listening to people that I admired. Uh-huh. Absolutely, that's so interesting. And I was just, by the way, talking about the the Bhagavad Gita last night. Really? Yes, last night. So not twelve uh-huh. hours ago, my friend Genevieve was like, we were talking about Arjuna not wanting to fight in the battle, and Krishna basically being like, it's the only thing to do. Like, you can do it or not do it, but, like, 
it's kind of what's happening. That's, uh-huh. that's like a very, <laughs> you know, silly yeah. summary. But that's very similar to the line, fr- forgive me if you've heard, the, I'm, I'm sure a billion, but just forgive me. Um, it's, the, it's the game that can't be won or lost, but can only be played, mm-hmm. right? Which is, you know... Where does that come from? Is that from some... Uh... That's in your book. It is. Get out of here. That's you. <laughs> I quoted you to you. Really? Unless wow. I haven't read the That's book. better though. than I thought, huh? It's in the movie. Uh, it's got to be in the book. I don't know if it is. Anyway, maybe we'll give credit to... It's like to, the point of the to book. Jeremy Levin, the screenwriter. Oh, no. Edit that out. Uh-huh. We'll give him no credit. That uh-huh. was you. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I feel that way. I, I've never even played golf, and but I see... You know, you're doing this. I'm doing this. It's all. It's also kind of like I was at a tea ceremony recently. Have you ever done one of those? No, I never have. I've read about it, but I've never seen one or never been Me part too. of one. Me too. I had only heard old Alan Watts talking about them, uh-huh. how meaningful they were. And what really struck me as we did round after round of tea, just in silence, very deliberately drinking uh-huh. tea, it struck me how absurd it was. And I think that might have been the point for me uh-huh. that day. Uh huh. In the same way that golf is absurd, doing this interview is Everything absurd. Everything is absurd. That's yeah. that's what the person said. Yeah. That's I mean, what life the, is absurd. Right? Life is absurd, and isn't that kind of what Krishna is saying? Yeah. Like you can you opt, do it anyway. Yeah. You can opt out, but are you really opting out? Because like reading your book, Government Cheese, and all the like little houses that you rent on the side of the road and I, there's there's a, a, I don't know if it's masculine but there's a part of every man that I know that would be like that sounds great you know you just go off and you live in a little cinder block house and just kind of don't fuck. By the way, thanks for reading it, Pete. Because you certainly didn't have to. You know, I'm you enjoying it. Skimmed it or done whatever. Thanks for reading, Stephen. I'm enjoying the hell out of uh-huh. it. And you're a great writer. And I'm. It's fun to see the other side of you because we'll get to the war of art. Uh-huh. But I was thinking about that and it, what a cop out that could be to like if Arjuna decided to not yeah. fight in the war. Yeah, it's like. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But that was just a millisecond yeah. in the story, and you didn't do anything. It would have been better to be a villain. You know what I mean? I'm not saying we should be villains, but at least you're doing something. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're at playing least, the game. One at least way you're or playing the game. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's in that's in the Ramayana. Is the bad guy is is really the good guy in disguise because he's moving the story along. Ah. And when you see that, I don't know about you're educated. There you yeah. go. Uh-huh. Well, let's get Hindu baby. Right, <laughs> no, let's but go. When you start to see, I'm talking too much, but like. I had a, a conflicting morning. Like I, my daughter was just stressing me out. She didn't want any of the breakfast. I made her four breakfasts. It was insane. Today, this morning. Yeah, this morning. I was very happy to be talking with you because I was like, <laughs> "This is. I need you that. Get like, out of the house. Yeah. I need another. Like you're. You're. You have a good. Uh, I don't know how to say it, but like a masculine voice in my consciousness. Uh-huh. I was like, I want to talk to Stephen about this. Uh-huh. But then, as I was driving here, I, w- I was grateful for that conflict even though as it's happening i'm like this is the worst thing in the world because uh. i was like at least something's happening and i'm more used to the listener and i'm more used to you honestly because i can tell you like it was deeply frustrating and i like, uh-huh. like lost my cool uh-huh. and as much as i don't want to do that that's where my humanity is like leonard cohen the cracks are how the light gets through uh-huh. and now i'm so much more alive and present here because i failed this uh-huh. morning uh-huh what good is Superman, give me Batman. Ah, interesting. <laughs> All right, hit me with whatever that gave you. 
Um, what <laughs> or you, I can take you back to the story you were telling what me. What you just said. Take me back to the story I All was right. just telling. Whatever. Okay, I'm going to try to calm down. <sighs> I'm talking a lot, and I want you to talk a lot. Uh, you, We were talking about you, uh, what it felt like when you don't write and what when you went from feckless to finding your voice, and we were already covered Leslie, and your, your thing blew well, up. Let me, I'll break in here, Pete. Break in. Because you said something before that I think will ring bells between the two of us. Ring it. If you don't write, and let's use that as a metaphor for what for all of the other things that people might do, if you have a great joke on your mind and you don't follow through on it, it that's not a benign action. You know, that joke, that unwritten joke goes into a bad channel inside you mm. and becomes, I'm con- absolutely convinced of this, and becomes cancer. You know, it becomes something like it's must get out. Right. It's like a living thing, like a, like a, if we're if we're female and we're giving birth and we're pregnant. And you cross a, your legs. It's a living thing that's inside us, yeah, yeah, yeah. like the alien. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's got to get out. And until it gets out, nothing good happens. Well, we're back to rivers and ponds, right? Uh-huh. Flow is yes. health. Pond is stagnation. Pond is not, yes. So you're saying, and I completely agree, but for those listening, we have these ideas. You're talking about the risk of no risk. We yeah. think there's taking a risk, yeah. quitting the job, writing the book, not going to the 4th of July thing so you can sit and write or whatever it might be. But you go, that's a risk. I'll miss out on... So all those things, by the way, are very short-term gains. Mm-hmm. I'll have a hot dog. Mm-hmm. I'll laugh with my friends. Yeah, yeah. not that I, I don't give in to plenty of those. But of course, yeah. me too. But there's the risk of not risking. Mm-hmm. And that those those are heavy risks you're saying that stagnation can manifest and i would agree with this in depression and disease exactly i think it absolutely does yeah and and the and the opposite side of that is if you do follow through with with the joke yeah health comes you know something positive something where your feet are on the ground something where you feel like oh i'm doing what i was put here to do yes and i can sleep tonight you know yes flow Finding flow or the flow. even not flow, even grinding it out, you know. Right. Well, that I like about. See, I'm one of these writers that you've helped me get more in touch with the romance or the reality, maybe, of of suffering at the t- at the computer. Uh-huh. Like, there's something that really stood out in the War of Art where it's like you you were. I forget how long your workday. Mine is about four hours, three yeah, four hours. Me too. Yeah. Okay, and I'm like, when I got nothing done, but at least I was just looking at the page and nothing got done but you go okay it's uh two o'clock i'm done was the work good it doesn't matter that's my impression of you Uh doesn't matter (laughs) at least you got in there (laughs) when val my wife is reading it um i don't know if you know the enneagram but she's an enneagram nine Uh do you know the enneagram i'm actually an enneagram nine get the fuck out not that i know what it means i just did it once i love Enneagram. my girlfriend diana is big into the enneagram okay what is she she's done and she's a four see i'm a four and she's a nine these are great combos i got good good feelings for you and your girlfriend Uh wonderful pairing Uh So Val is, nine's all you need to know is Jamaica. They're the beach people. It's Uh, not that all of Jamaica is that way, but it's like, relax. We just want no conflict, no stress. So it's very, but a a nine in health is a three, which is the achiever, which is going to go out and and ring the bell and and prove it. I didn't know that. I never knew that. So you're a healthy nine. And Val is a healthy nine, but she's reading your book uh, by my uh, recommendation. 
And when I summarize it, I just go, stop being a candy ass. <laughs> <laughs> and just get in there. So the line is, was the work good? Was it not good? It doesn't matter. You did it. That was it. very profound for uh, me. Which actually, in many ways, is sort of, if, if when I die, if there's any lesson that comes out of this, you know, it, it's so true. I mean, it really sort of saved me mm. is, like I say, when I sit down to write on a day, I really don't judge myself at all on, did I do anything good? Did I get 500 words or whatever? It's all I say to ask myself is, did I put in the time and did I try hard? And if I did, then I pat myself on the back and I say, okay, that was a good day. You yes, know? yes. And, and I, I think really, you know, I'm a believer, as you know, in the muse, in the goddess. And I think that when she looks down on us, you or me or whoever, and sees us putting in the time, even if there's nothing on the page at the end of the day, that counts. You know, yeah. that goes in the book, you know, uh, her book. Yeah. Her book of You're a Good Boy. Yeah. You know, and because uh, you were available, you tried. All you can do is try, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like you had the channel, of, like a ham radio, like you had it on the frequency. Yeah. Nobody called you. Yeah. But that's on them. Yeah. You were there. And then it seems to me to continue with that, the muse goes, oh, this guy's radio is open. Maybe I'll start sending him some, exactly. some messages. You know, they say like in, uh, in training in the gym, whatever it is, that not every day is going to be a good day. Yeah. And it's, you know, in fact, it's a rare when it's a good day. Yeah. A lot of days are going to be shitty days. You don't really do it. But you're, it's a day. You did the day. You yeah. Know? And that's all you can ask of yourself. Can you go? Did you have more? No, that's it. Uh, I ran out of it. No. no, you didn't. No, that's all. I, I just don't want to cut yeah. you off. I, we talk about this a lot on this podcast. I think it's the strange mechanism of this universe that just seeking pleasure and avoiding pain doesn't work. But most people, we're going back to those goals. Like, okay, I could sit and write or pursue my whatever or go to the 4th of July barbecue. Mm -hmm. We all do like short-term things, that's one, but we also just like would rather avoid pain. Sitting in the chair is gonna be pain. Mm -hmm. We do that more than we do to gain pleasure. I wonder what that makes you think of, but also the fact that like we always talk about heroin. Heroin doesn't work. Isn't that crazy? Isn't it weird that there's nothing on this planet like that that works, yeah. meaning it will take a toll. It's it's sort of a crazy, it's almost like a trick that God played on that's us. That's what I you mean. Know, like, the, if it's short-term satisfaction, if it's immediate gratification, it's going to kill you. Buddy. But the long-term satisfaction hurts. It's painful. <laughs> it's tedious. It's boring. It's not interesting. Yes. Yes. You know? But that's the only way, you know? Why? And wh yeah, why did God design the world like that? But, you know, he did. Right. You can fight it or wonder why, or yeah. you can just kind of get with the program. Yeah. So, Stephen, my bad morning started last night. For some reason, I actually think I know why. My wife was having a Val. She just have. I was feeling her pain. She was she was dealing with something, and I was feeling it. Uh huh. And I had been good all week and hitting all my goal exercise and mm. food, and I was like, "Fuck it." There's a peach cobbler in the fridge. I'm uh -huh. gonna eat it. <laughs> And I did. 
um, <laughs> I really, I'm 44. I really think that's what did it. Somebody told me about what sugar does to you uh, hormonally. Uh-huh. And I'm just, it's just kind of churning in my belly like a dryer all night. Uh, and then I woke up and I was just like, fuck everything. And I was like, it was that. Uh, like, I'm so. Very well could be. I'll tell you why I think. Not even the sugar, just the, the knowledge that you gave into that shit. You know? That's right. And then I tried to exercise, couldn't do it. It was uh-huh. like walking through mud. Everything uh-huh. was fucked because I had, and that's kind of what, when you say you were a loser, which is a tricky term, only mostly because Trump said it so much. But, yeah. So you were losing. You felt you weren't meeting your own goals. There's a momentum. There's a sludge momentum. And that sludge momentum, you, you call it resistance, seems to have a consciousness. It seems to have this weird... I don't want to get too fancy and call it demonic, but it has this like dark, demonic. Yeah, you, know, you just made a face to say, "Go ahead." No, and it's say true. Demonic. Yeah, it has an antichrist. It it, it, it has an anti energy. You know, we're talking now about the war of art. We're talking about the concept of of resistance with a capital R for our listeners. You yeah. know that that is that sort of force that radiates off a a blank page or anything like that. And uh, that will sabotage us. It's the voice in our head that says, you're no good, you're unworthy, you can't really do this, et cetera, et cetera. You'll lose your friends. Yeah, you lose it, right, everything, right? They won't feed you, they won't love you. And it makes you want to eat a peach cobbler or makes you want to go to the beach, you know? And, you know, sometimes, like, you know who Seth Godin is, I'm sure. I don't. You don't? Ah. Seth Godin. Seth Godin is, he's one of I, I, of uh, the blogs that I read. Ryan is one of them. Okay. And Seth Godin is, is another. Okay. He's, uh, he was one of the first kind of internet marketers, but he's way, way, way beyond that. A real visionary and in, in, in business terms and creative terms. Mm-hmm. Check him out. You know, Seth okay. Godin. How do you spell that? G-O? G-O-D-I-N. Okay, here it is. And... Um, where what where was I? Uh, oh yeah, he his concept of what the where this resistance, this negative force comes from, is the amygdala. You know the lizard brain. Yes, right at the at the that it's whatever it was the that first, is. It's the oldest part of your brain. The oldest part of your brain. The first right? part that grew. But I don't believe that because unless the lizard brain is really smart, because resistance when it produces that voice in your head that's trying to psych you out or trying to distract you. It's so diabolical and so intelligent Mm. and so nuanced and so capable of changing, shape-shifting, doing all that. It it can't just be some dumb element like that. It's Voldemort. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know to know where that comes from. Is it... It's the devil. Is it the devil? I don't know what it is, but it's for real. Well, you... Okay, on this show, I, I always try to get, oh, that's that's just honest, I do try to get people to, it sounds manipulative, but I do, I manipulate people. Uh-huh. I try to get them to talk about spiritual things and their spiritual beliefs. Ah, and well, one of the ways You in, won't have to work hard no, to get I me know. to talk about it. But my way in is your way in, too, is any, they'll say, I'm an atheist, but then I'm like, well, tell me about your creative process, and they'll start talking in uh, these yeah, uh-huh. terms. Yeah. So it's really interesting, we have Voldemort resistance, this entity that's inside of us i know that sounds really scary but it's fine you're 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 dealing with them constantly so it's not exotic yeah yeah. so it's not frightening you don't have to look out for it it's probably you know whispering to you as you're listening to this podcast going like maybe let's just watch pornography you know what i mean because this is a little too challenging 
But also, one of the things I (laughs) I loved about your book that you really gave language to is the anti-resistance. So we we could call that the Christ, I suppose, if that's the anti-Christ, Christ or life or oneness or universe or flow or whatever. When you are working, and this is a phenomenon anyone that writes certainly knows, you write and then you go for a drive or you go for a walk and there's no effort, there's no exertion, and there's nothing conscious. You don't go, I'm going for a walk that I might have good ideas. Uh-huh. But it happened to me on the ride down. I was mostly driving in silence. And this fucking thing kept going. Because I wrote that anxiety joke last night. Uh-huh. Slept, drove. Now I'm driving. And it goes, uh, the opening line is, it says this. It goes, the opening line is anxiety. I have anxiety, thank God. And it cut whole swaths of the treaties uh-huh, that I had written. It's uh-huh. doing cuts. So you point this out. You go, what is this effortless? What? I mean, really, why aren't we all talking about this? Effortless uh, program that's running in the background that d- doesn't deplete your energy, doesn't even seem no, to be running on your energy. It charges your energy, it right? It charges your yeah. energy. So it's efforting. That's the opposite of... Of the, the diabolical resistance, exactly, yeah. which is why maybe Christ is a good word for it. It's it's like this birthing or the muse, or the if muse. you wanted yeah, to yeah. call that. We don't need to get Christian. I'm just like, yes, yes, muse. Or Not that or I have anything against that. The fountainhead, the spring. Yeah, it's like a yeah. spring, and it and and the spring, just like a spring is a naturally occurring thing. It's not being charged by engines. Nobody goes, shut off the spring. Spring's spring. And now you're a spring. That's the, I'm just saying, if we're getting too dark on the resistance and scaring people, Uh there's Uh this counterpart Uh that is also available to you. So we're back with you and your vibration and your loserdom. And so you were in that bad momentum, the cobbler momentum. Peach cobbler, mm-hmm. <laughs> not yeah. not a shoemaker. Yeah. Yeah. Your your peach cobbler. Now your workout sucks. Now your job interview sucks. Now your therapist won't return your calls. So exactly. breaking out of that, and it sounds like the answer was. I mean, for me, it was just years and years of grinding, increment by increment. Like I say, that I I knew I had to write my way out of it, Pete. That was like the only way, right? And yeah. so it's like. As I talk about it in the book, at one point, I saved up enough money to work for a year, turned out to be two years, and finally did finish a book, didn't, you know, mm. didn't crap out at the end. Now, the book never sold, and neither did the one after that, never sold, but that was kind of an increment back from that loserdom, you know? at the. So I do think... A lot of the bullshit that's out there now sort of tells you, oh, you uh, you achieve an insight and everything is groovy from then on. Yeah. But I don't think that's the truth. Like for me, that was like two years of grinding, grinding. It was fun, but it was grinding, grinding, grinding. In other words, for you to say to yourself or for me to say to myself, you know, maybe I'm not as much of a loser as I thought I was. Mm. You have to actually have done some work. You know, like Robert Greene would say this, you know, Ryan's yeah, mentor, he did the you know. As well. yeah. Um, yeah, he did, huh? Yeah, uh, he's incredible. Great. Uh, yeah, but he lives in Los Feliz, right? Yeah. He lives right Yeah, he walked here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or he could have But in any event, yeah, you got to, the, the way out of it, the way back is is really through work, mm. in my opinion. 
There's magic involved, but it's also really just that showing up every day, every day for the goddess. Yeah. So, so that finally the, you know, you will get yeah. uh, a little bit of a graduation notice, you know? Yeah. But it's years and years and years, in my opinion. It sound, it, it's too trite to reduce what you just said so brilliantly into like fake it till you make it. But there's something about like work it till you jerk it, maybe? I know. <laughs> no, it's something like, right? but of course, once you start to do, to do that, to get on that path of work, yeah. there's no ending point. It's not like, oh, four years from now, you get a degree. Yeah. You start to do this. This is the rest of your life. You know, this is till they you know, take you out feet first. Right. But that's reality. That's what we were talking about before, you know, right. that somehow God designed this world that you got you to gotta work. You got to yes. grind for it. And you got to suffer. I, I mean, it's I, the Garden of Eden, right? Where he yeah. casts Adam and Eve out and says, you know, henceforth yeah. shalt thou eat thy bread in the sweat of thy face. Ooh, you know, King James. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you know what? You know what I like about the Garden of Eden is we had a hand in it. We, we, the way I interpret that story is we were perfect oneness in the garden and we elected to play a game. But it was us, an aspect of God, us, yes. decided to eat the apple by our choice. The, the snake is us too. The snake is our yes, voice. I agree. Yeah. And it says eat the apple, but it was us. We wanted to listen to a naughty snake. Is there anything yeah. more exciting than listening to a naughty snake? That's we we connect to that. Yeah, there's the a... first time you heard that story, you won't, you're like, oh, I hope they eat the, the <laughs> apple. As soon as God says don't eat the apple, you're like, I hope they eat the apple, because you know there's something in our existence right here and now. All this insanity and pain and up and down and and all the goodness is hiding on the other side of work. We know that's what happened. <laughs> like a deal was struck. Yeah, that we could know pleasure, but they're like, but if you want to know pleasure, you need to know separation, and if you have separation, that means. You have pain. You should be a rabbi, Pete. You really uh, you got into this thing. I'm, I'm no. really going for it. I'm enjoying this chat. Let me ask you, do are, are most comics or comedians no. going deep into <laughs> shit like that? Yes, I, I mean, I think, that, I think about George Carlin or people like that, that yeah. they were, they were, you know, yeah. um, they would go deep, 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 deep. They yeah. just wouldn't uh, maybe not do it on, on stage, but the I think jokes those... came from someplace deep. For sure. I completely agree. And I, I, I've said this a million, but I think it's weird that more comedians aren't interested, that they sort of stopped uh, at they, it's all uh, bullshit. Uh, yeah, they, you, you don't want to be at the table. But I'm like, the, the ultimate way of not being at the table is to like really get into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what uh-huh. I mean? You go so far past uh-huh. the fundamentalist or the literalists or whatever it might be that you, you, you can't even see them in your rear view anymore. Mm-hmm. But, but you get all the juice that was drawing us to these things in the first place. It's mm. confusing to me. Mm. And I appreciate you notice I appreciate you seeing me. Well, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You should be a rabbi. Think about it. <laughs> it's not too late. <laughs> it's not too late. No, there's there's uh there's there's room for that stuff. One one of the great things about podcasts like if Carlin had had a podcast, you would have we would have records ah, of these. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like if Bill Hicks had had a podcast, I, I feel like it would have saved these guys' uh, lives. Not uh-huh. Carlin, but but Hicks uh-huh. would have thrived and flowed uh-huh. in a way. Maybe true, yeah. I think he was made to be a podcaster even more than a comedian. Like, he should have just been recording himself how he felt uh-huh. every, every day. Uh-huh. That's yeah. how I feel. And I think the road sort of squashed him, uh-huh. as, it, as it will. Okay, so uh-huh. you wrote your way out of it. We're talking about, well, we we're talking about resistance and, and the anti-resistance. Can I give you an example of a resistance and you can comment on it? Sure. Because I don't remember this being in your book. 
but my one wonderful wife Val is writing a movie and it's a wonderful movie and it's her first movie and I think she is destined like her thing is to direct it I can see because she she doesn't write like me I mean I'll put angle on and all these things like but she's writing the music she's uh-huh. saying uh-huh. the shots like I'm like this is not normal this is a director this is mm-hmm. how Paul Thomas Anderson writes for himself mm-hmm. he puts in all these shot notes and stuff you should direct it and she's I can see my little nine believing that. Mm-hmm. And I even imagine the the headphones uh-huh. on her, on her uh-huh. shoulders, and I'm like, wait a minute, I can see it. Uh-huh. I really can. So she was working on it, and she, when she's writing, she feels alive and in the flow and exactly what you describe. And then she also teaches dance, and then this opportunity came about to uh, possibly take over a dance studio. and ta- Right? I'm smiling, yeah. Yes, you're smiling. Yeah. Buddy, if we didn't go like, wait, should we do this? Like now I'm, instead of rehearsing, this is Val, she directed this beautiful movie called this. Now I'm going like, oh yeah, my wife owns the dance studio in town and it costs this much money and and there's all these like sort of businessy things, which I'm like, I don't think she'd like that, but she got very interested in it and I was being supportive. And then she came to the conclusion that it was resistance, that it was another... Mm. See, this is the intelligence you're talking about. Ah, yes. Like, we'll talk about that. It will come for you in these ways. It comes, like, shrouded in good news. Like, good news. You know, you're absolutely right, Pete, that that's not in the war of art, and it should have been in the war of art. And it's so true that resistance is so diabolical, and somehow, somehow, I don't know, has control in the world, yes. that like, if you're on a path, like like your wife is towards the movie, yeah. somehow resistance can produce in the real world <laughs> a quote-unquote opportunity yes. that is actually the death of her dream, yes. right? If she says yes to this dance studio, that's a fucking catastrophe, you yes. know? Yes, wow. And God knows how that works. It's got to be the devil. I don't know what. Yeah. But uh, you're very. Uh, you're. It's great that you're so supportive of her and that you get it and you see what. Yeah. You know her potential. That, yeah. That unrealized potential yet. Yes. And yeah, but it is so true Crazy. that resistance will tempt you. You know, it's like. Um, for me, I, I've, I've worked a couple of times, or maybe two or three times in advertising, right? Which is kind of a sellout sort of a job sure. to save money so I could go write a book. Every time I was ready to go leave, they would offer me a promotion, you know, or whatever it was. I knew it before you and, said it. And I, who knows what the, is there like the devil putting an idea in your boss's mind? I don't know yes. what's going on. But you always have to sort of confront that. like Because the other thing about this, I know I'm blathering on. This is what I was hoping for. But these quote-unquote opportunities always make great sense so that if you talk to your friends who are like trying to wish you well, they go, oh, you know, a dance studio is really a good idea. I mean, you make money. It's a realistic thing. Right. And, and you and your head are going, gee, should I do this? I mean, it, but it, it's just resistance in the yeah. end. It's so diabolical. The practicality of it is the devil. It's the details where the devil is hiding. It's like month to month, it'd be like an income coming in. Yeah. Oh, I'm at, if we had this many people, it would be this. Yeah. And, and you're just sitting writing for no yeah. one. Like, it, it makes a lot of yeah. sense. Here's the thing that happened to me, for whatever this Please. is worth. This was like, I don't know, how many, 10 years ago or something like that. I got an offer from the Getty Museum, where they had, uh, like, um, 
they brought in fellows or whatever it was for a particular thing. Anyway, they would pay you seven grand a month. They'd give you, actually, if you wanted an apartment, they gave you an apartment and you'd go up to the Getty. They gave you an office. They gave you a research assistant. And the whole idea was here, you can write your book here. You don't have to do anything. right? And so I talked to various friends and they, oh, you got to do this. This is good for your resume, blah, blah, blah. Mm. I took it. I hated it. It was like the worst thing I ever did. <laughs> I quit. It was the day I, I said, you know, each day I go, you should be liking this, Steve. This is a golden hour. And I just finally, I just said, this is resistance. This is driving me insane. Yeah. And I was so happy when I finally drove down a hill and yeah. never went back again. This really delicious,ly ties into what I was saying about anxiety. So my morning uh, with oh. my daughter uh -huh. put me off center. And this conversation, I can feel it as I'm talking to you. I, I was charged like a balloon on hair. I was charged by that conflict. And there are so many situations. And, and as you were talking, I was like, oh, my God, I've done things. Well, I've had this movie idea for 10 years. I wrote you an email, and I was like, the war of art. I'm on like page mm -hmm. 160 or something. I, I'm, it's too long. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it is gonna too go long. go back and, and edit, <laughs> yeah, and edit yeah. it. I, I write too much. I, I, I'm like, I'm one of those people that puts in ellipses and that's the whole line. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, does that need to be there? It doesn't. Uh -huh. um, so I'll, I'll trim it down. But like I got through it. But I'm realizing for the past 10 years, I've had this movie idea and some of the things that have fucked me up were no-brainer, you have to do that opportunities. Uh, yeah. And as we're talking about this, I'm remembering, just to give Mike a shout-out, I called Mike and I was like, you know, I'm doing this thing and I and it's it's like a nice uh, opportunity. And I, as I was doing it, he was like, you should do it. And then as I was doing it, I was like, you know, I haven't worked on my movie and since I've been doing this. I thought I would because mm -hmm. the hours were right, good. Right, 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 yeah. And I was like, oh, the life would be nice. Yeah. Now money uh, is coming in and like I should be comfortable enough to work on my book and this goes back to the anxiety we should be running towards dis-ease not disease mm. but like we should be running towards well let me something ask, let me interrupt your you. ass define anxiety for me as you mean it okay i will <laughs> and right away uh, something val says to me all the time and she goes Anx fear is excitement without breath is something she says to me all the time mm. So that's what so I think I mean. It's fear, huh? It's fear. Uh, yeah. It's, now, would it be fear of the creative project that your that your heart tells you you want to do? Is that so? In other words, is it resistance in one way or another? It is absolutely. Uh, See, what's interesting? I think I'm getting into new. My resistance is getting very nuanced. Mm -hmm. I got, I struggled through. Uh, all your friends will leave you. What do you think you're better than uh -huh. us? I got through all of that uh -huh. pretty quickly, thanks uh -huh. to an over-loving mother. I was uh -huh. like, fuck you, I am better than all of you. Uh -huh. and I'll, uh -huh. I don't care about any of my friends, uh -huh. and you can all eat my ass. Like uh -huh. I was like, fine, uh -huh. going off. But now, I think one of the things, and this is very subtle, it goes, if you do it, what will you have to kind of like go, I could always do that? You know what I mean? Because uh -huh. if you do it, uh -huh. Now it's done, uh -huh. and there is a pleasure to going. Well, like, that's nuanced. I could always yeah. do that. Yeah. I, isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. This is why it's helpful to talk about these things because the ego is insane. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, and if you let it, yeah, talk to you, it goes like, yeah. don't do it because and you it is like the ego too. Just yes, like Ryan says, ego is the enemy. Yeah, yes, he does. Yeah. When I was reading your uh, 
War of Art. I, have you ever read A Course in Miracles? Because I was. Oh yeah, in fact, I was into it for a while. Can I tell you? But something? I couldn't get very far into it. I got to like day twenty-seven or something like that. Okay, huh? reading your book. War, so was War of Art before or after that? It almost doesn't. Way matter. after that. Okay. Way after that. You can tell. Ah. I was like, oh, this dude's read ah. the course uh-huh. because it's so. For those you don't need to know much about A Course in Miracles, but A Course in Miracles is like. Uh, trying to teach you that there's two two choices in your mind, and by mind it means almost more like soul. It's like your awareness, and one is the ego. You can you can use that as your teacher, or you can kind of like you could think of it as a lens. Like that can be the lens you shine your light through, or one I think they would say is um, Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It uses Christian mm-hmm. language. You could just say that as your higher self or your God self or, or whatever you want to say. And we're always alternating between these two. And its strategy, the course's strategy, is to listen to the ego. It's not to whistle in the dark or spiritually bypass or even stop any behavior. It's like just look at what you're doing and out it. Like turn the lights on on it and listen to it. And you'll start to put it together slowly that the ego is insane. Mm. And it, what does the ego say? It's never enough. It's never enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to take what you have. Somehow I have to, like, I'm not saying this is how I consciously feel. Uh-huh. I'm just saying there's part of me that's like, somehow I could uh, take a, a, the war of art and have the love that you got for it for me. Like, it's, uh-huh. that, there's an insane uh-huh. want monster in there that wants it all uh-huh. for them. The teacher Sadhguru says, like, even if you had the whole world, if you owned the whole world and it all came to you, how long before you'd want the moon? That's just what it yeah, does. About a minute and a half. Yeah. About a minute and a half. Yeah. So uh, you you didn't get very far, but do, do you remember? Does that any of that sound familiar? I you know I hadn't seen it through that lens of the ego. You know yeah. I mean it, the course of miracles starts, if I remember right, it starts like the first lesson is something like nothing I see is real, right? It's nothing or I see means nothing anything. in this room is is real. Yeah. And means uh, anything? Oh, means anything? Is that yeah. what they say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's kind of, uh, you know, that sucks you in a little bit. I think that's that's pretty cool, you know, because a part of you says to yourself, you know, I believe it, you know. Yeah. It doesn't really mean anything. It isn't real. and, and uh, But I hadn't thought of it from that ego point of view. It gets But into I'm that. certainly a believer in that, you know. It gets that, into it hard. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Well, the ego being, I had a real revelation when I was like, oh, when I was talking about the devil when I was growing up, Who's the liar? Because I grew up evangelical. Who's the liar? Uh-huh. Who's the thief? It's the ego. Uh-huh. We just called it the devil. Also, you're gonna. This is a fun fact you can use the rest of your life. Uh-huh. When Paul Saint Paul writes about the flesh, he means the ego. That's what the modern scholars oh. would say. Unfortunately, he used the word flesh. Sarks is the word in Greek, I believe. He used. Uh-huh. They translate. Deep you are. Look at this stuff. Know, we're we into First Corinthians and stuff here. Should have a cane, uh-huh. uh, but uh, <laughs> like a sheep's um, herding sheep. But um, Sarks is the word, and we translate it as flesh. But Richard Rohr and others have taught me that a better word would be ego. But we took it as flesh, which which only hurt this like obsession with sexuality uh-huh. and like the filth that I'm uh-huh. like this eating, uh-huh. shitting, farting, fucking uh-huh. thing. And it's like, no, that's a cop out. Like you being embarrassed of your poops is like so stupid. Like it's actually way more insidious mm-hmm. and deeper. Mm-hmm. And it, that needs to be exposed. And you're actually stopping here at going like, oh, I had a boner. Like fuck off. Uh-huh. Go 
further. You're actually ravenous and murderous, and and you think invading countries are insane. They're just acting out the same thing that's in you, just writ large. And that's why we love scapegoating, and that's why mm. we love. Oh, I, I, that's not me. And we just stand with the innocent uh-huh. and whistle whistle in the dark. Uh-huh. Right? Man, you're a rabbi. You are a rabbi. <laughs> <laughs> Healthy hydration isn't just about drinking water. It's about drinking water plus electrolytes, which makes sense. You lose both water and sodium when you sweat. So both need to be replaced to prevent muscle cramps, headaches, and energy dips. It's also wonderful for cognitive function, overall wellness. This is how I start my day. With what? How do I get magnesium, potassium, and just the right amount of sodium into my bloodstream every single morning? I drink Element, the amazing hydration drink. It's become a huge part of my wellness program and a huge and important and pleasurable part of my morning routine that I sincerely look forward to. I start every morning with a big glass of water and a packet of Element. I like their watermelon salt flavor best. You just mix it and you are good to go. No sugar or artificial junk, just electrolytes and great taste. And you get that potassium and you get that magnesium for health, performance, and energy. It also tastes amazing. I love drinking it. I actually don't like my water without it. I prefer it with Element 10 times more. Sometimes at night, I'll have a cup of the chocolate salt element in hot water, which is incredible and also wonderful for curbing my appetite when I am fasting. I do intermittent fasting and occasionally I do an entire fast day. And when I'm drinking my element, it makes it so much easier. I've given it to so many friends who love the orange salt flavor. A friend just texted me. He went for a run. He came back and drank it. It's like drinking a life giving elixir. Again, you can't just replace the water. You got to get these minerals, these elements into your blood to replenish you, to give you that energy, to give you that brain support and to prevent cramps and fatigue. I love it. You have a wonderful offer here from our friends at Element. You go to drinklmnt.com slash weird and use promo code weird. They will give you a free Element sample pack with any order when you order, which is really fun because you can try all of the flavors. And if you're anything like me, get hooked and rotate and try lots of different ones. If Element doesn't exceed your expectations, they have a no questions asked refund policy. You don't even have to send it back. You got nothing to lose, but support your body, support this show. Go to drinklmnt.com slash weird to get your free sample pack with any purchase. That's drinklmnt.com slash weird. We're also brought to us by our friends at Caraway. One of the smallest, simplest things that has added so much value to our lives is cooking together as a family. And with a four-year-old, we've noticed it's a wonderful parenting hack that our daughter If she's involved in the food prep, she's so much more likely to eat it and even try new things. Val and I just got and are in love with the best looking, best cooking, new cook and bakeware from Caraway. What is Caraway? It's great cookware with no nasty chemicals that's easy to clean and fun to use and it also looks great. Whether you're late to spring cleaning, way, way, way late, or just about to do some anytime cleaning, their thoughtfully designed sets and complimentary storage makes getting and staying organized easier than ever. And you can now save 10% on the full suite of Carrot Way products from their internet famous cookware to their newly launched food storage set. Caraway's high quality ceramic coated kitchenware is free of PTFEs such as Teflon. It's also free of lead, 
cadmium, and other toxic chemicals you know aren't safe for you, so you know you are cooking safe. And Caraway Kitchenware comes in a variety of chic shades, and all sets include complimentary easy-access storage solution. Ceramics naturally slick surface means minimal oil or butter for slide-off-the-pan eggs and easy cleaning. So no chemicals and less oil means healthier cooking and easier cooking. It's so fun. Over 40,000 people have raved about their Caraway Kitchen. Now it's time for you to try for yourself. Visit carawayhome.com slash weird to take advantage of this limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for weirdos. So visit carawayhome.com slash weird or use code weird at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. All right, everybody, back to Steven. Okay. In fact, I have another guest you should ask on to your podcast. We can talk about this later. Yeah, but, tell me. Uh, he's my rabbi. His name is Rabbi Mordecai Finley. Have you ever heard of Rabbi Finley? No. He's here in L.A. Okay. And uh, he's... Uh, Half Irish, half Jewish, uh, former Marine, Kung Fu, Jiu Jitsu, black belt, whatever, I don't even know what he is, and a uh, uh, PhD in ethical psychology, I think it's called. No way. And he's done a million kind of videos that are sort of teaching videos, you know, an hour-long class. But just a wonderful guy and really into, I mean, he'll go he'll deep, like deep, 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 deep. Yeah. So we'll, we can write that down. Yeah, we'll write more. If I, yeah. I'm panicking yeah. that I have to spell yeah. Mordecai, but yeah. <laughs> I'm mortified. <laughs> uh, okay, so it's interesting. Talking about uh, Ryan and you, I was interested in your feelings on masculinity you mentioned the marines you were a marine a lot of your approach val is a deeply feminine uh woman and when she re- reads the war of art she she goes like it's it's very masculine uh-huh. and i'm like yeah it is like that's what i really love about it i'm just wondering what your relationship as i read about your youth and how hard it was and long haul trucking and fucking living in your van and all of that stuff and I'm over here, I'm like, what must you think of us complaining that the Wi-Fi is out in the Starbucks or whatever it is? But I'm just interested in like how, this day and age, like masculinity and men in general, we're learning. Uh-huh. We're kind of like learning and evolving. But I'm wondering where you that's find a, it useful. Oh, that's a great question. Well, first of all, let me say that we're talking about resistance, we're talking about anxiety, fear, whatever, that and doing the hard stuff and not going to the peach cobbler. <laughs> and in order to do that, to live that, that hard life, which we, for the rest of our lives, we have to summon some sort of force of mental toughness or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And I think it can be masculine or feminine. In, in practice, the most warrior-like individual I can think of is a mother. Mm. I mean, if you think about... Uh, a mother will lift a Buick with her bare hands if her child is underneath that, right? Yeah, yeah. Or go into a burning building to save her child. And in fact, the, when we talk about art or creativity, or what is it except bringing forth new life, right? Mm. It's being pregnant, it's bringing forth something like that. Mm-hmm. So I do think male or female, the male side would be the kind of a, the warrior sort of ethic, you know, the virtues of a warrior and that kind of thing. The female side to me is, is the mother, the, the nurturing, the loving, the idea of 
total selflessness that you, the mom, will give everything, including your life, to protect that life within you, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think whether it's male or female, we yeah. have to summon some no-bullshit strength yes. to face this devil yes. day after day after day. And, and, uh, and faith has a lot to do with it. Now, I'm not talking religious or anything, but we do have to believe in that creative force that you were talking about before, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which to me is like the big bang. It's, it's, it's part of the cosmos. It's part of existence, whatever it is. Though there is this devil force of resistance, there's also this universal creative force that you heard in your head when you were driving down mm-hmm. here from Ojai this morning. Mm-hmm. So... Anyway, that's kind of where I come out on male or yeah, I it's love not it. a, it's not masculine or or feminine. I think it's both. I completely hear that. So we have a, a cold plunge. So does Ryan. I think uh. he got maybe got the same one I have. Anyway, we were texting about it. <laughs> it's very interesting. Uh, both we have little uh, get-togethers at our house, and people are always curious about the cold plunge, and and that's one of those things that I can't shut up about, so I'm always like, really, don't ask me about it if you don't want me to talk Uh about it for 45 minutes. (laughs) But what happens, and I'm very proud of this, we're not like drinkers, uh, so our parties are very PG, Uh but what happens instead of like doing shots or other like feats of strength (laughs) is people will get in the cold plunge, which Uh is really fun, men and women. And I do notice that in general, men tend to be a thousand times more interested in getting in it. And th- that's neither really? huh? here nor there. Well, that's interesting. I thought you were going to say the opposite. Huh? No, the women do get in it. Uh-huh. And some of the women absolutely rock it. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, both do well. But I, I've always considered it to be pouch envy. When I get it, I'm uh-huh. like, this is because we don't have babies. Uh-huh. This is only because we don't have babies. Uh-huh. Well, I think that's true. Creativity. I, yeah, any form yeah, of we creativity. Have creativity. But... I the so I coach the people when they get in the cold plunge, ah. and I go, uh, first things first, you're going to get in at your feet, and it's going to be really cold at your feet, and you're going to want to stop. And the first thing you need to realize is if you get your whole body in it, it's better because you get overwhelmed and your body doesn't know where to feel pain, so you feel no pain. But if you just get in your feet, your feet are going to hurt like hell. Uh-huh. So get in it. Doesn't that just sound like the law of the universe? Yeah, I think it is true. Absolutely. Get yeah. in it the whole fucking way uh-huh. or it's going to punish you. Yeah. Get in. Yeah. And then I go, the first thing we're going to do I is we're going to- thought s- about that. That's why cold plunges, I think, are so uh, addictive. Yeah. Yes. And there's something universally true about them, like cosmically true about them. Two, smile. Because you're not going to want to. Your lips uh-huh. are going to turn blue and you fucking hate it. I go, you have to smile and tell yourself, I love it. You have to say, Lachaim, like this is to life. This is the opposite of dying in a nursing home. This is like the most invigorating uh-huh. thing. And then our goal isn't to stay in for two minutes or one minute or anything. Our goal is one long, slow exhale. Because mm. you're going to be going. <laughs> uh-huh. And it's just like, just all. And I just go, just look at me. Because they all uh-huh. close their eyes. And I go, just look at me. And go. What does that sound like? Lamaze! Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's exactly what I did with my uh-huh. wife when she was giving birth. I go, look uh-huh. at me uh-huh. and breathe. Uh-huh. And that's why everybody's getting in this cold plunge. It's the same exact thing. Uh-huh. But this is why Bagger Vance is true. This is why your, your work on the resistance is true. It's like, get in, slow down, breathe, go through, not around. You can't go around. And if you give up, your day is fucked. And if mm-hmm. you stay in, your day is golden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why did why did God make the universe that way, right? That you got to get into this freaking, you know, 32 degree, whatever it is, yeah. plunge. Yeah. 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 Well, that goes back to the Garden of Eden. It's what we were saying. Yeah. It's like we wanted, and this is very 
to me, of course, in Miracles is the Garden of Eden and the Prodigal Son, just from much more extreme vantage points. But the first one is God wanted us all together in him or in God as one thing. And this is all metaphor. None of it's going to, it's not going to be perfect. It's just words. But it's like, there was part of us that was like, wouldn't it be nice to be separate? Just as an experiment, just like as an innocent little game. Mm -hmm. Like, What if we were separate? And then bam, it all happened. In fact, the whole of it happened in an instant. It's already over. It's already done. But yeah. here we are kind of worming our way through it. Yeah. And that's the prodigal son. We just, we, we left home. We squandered our inheritance, our inheritance being perfect oneness, to gamble and have sex. And uh, remember, he's Jewish and he works with the, the pigs. So uh -huh. that's like to degrade ourselves. We <laughs> uh -huh. want it. Uh -huh. We want it. Just like movies. We want to be degraded. We uh -huh. want to be disrespected. We want to be wronged. We, we want so we can fight for vengeance, so we can come back and all of it. And then the, the game ends when you go like, wait, I could just go back to my dad's house. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? And your dad welcomes you. But and I, he welcomes you. I would say it's a kill little you, bit differently. Yeah. Please tell me. When we ate the apple, what we really wanted to do, it was like God had all the creative power. He mm. was the creator, and we were the created, right? And if we stayed within this world where everything was given to us, we were like children, right? But we said, whether we realize it or not, how about if we create something? Yeah. And we started to get a little spark of the power that only God had. And that's why he got so pissed off at us, I think. It's like, you crossed this line, motherfucker? Well, you know? Can I take deeply, over? deeply excited to interject? Uh. Because, of course, in Miracles would say, God can't be mad at us. God's perfect love and oneness. We thought he was mad at us. Ah. So we developed the ego. And the ego is a, is a creature of duality. And it says, come with me or God will kill you. And we go, okay, it's like Schwarzenegger, come mm. with me if you want to live. So we sided with the ego. And then the world of the ego was developed. And that's why this whole thing is kill or be killed. That's why this whole thing is chaotic. That's why this whole thing is random. That's why this whole thing is afraid. Because we think God is trying to kill us. So we have to kill him first, which we think we did. But that sin, that guilt, and that fear comes into past, present, future. And it creates this whole fucking thing, which is why The Course in Miracles is the only thing that I found that doesn't just explain suffering, but goes like, this is, this is why it happened. Like, we did this, and we're afraid of this. So the whole thing follows that, uh -huh. the law of that initial choice. Very interesting. But the solution is to go, God's not mad at us. How could perfect love be mad at us? fucking stop it like stop it <laughs> mm. i was just very excited ah. to say that but i do think that that we're trying to get back to the garden don't you think absolutely you know as but not as we were originally uh in other words unconscious created beings right but as conscious Co creative beings yeah yeah and get back to that somehow to get back to that oneness to god completely whatever agree. that whatever that may be which i think when we're writing a joke or we're being or we're doing anything creative we are doing that which god alone does yes right agreed uh, and that's 
pretty amazing. You're coming into your inheritance. You're kind of like you're reflecting the light of yeah. God's creation. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. Which, it, in a way, I think has to be God's idea from the beginning, I whether mean, we knew it or He knew it or whatever. Yeah, I don't think any of it's a mistake or an error. But here's here's where no, I don't think so either. It's interesting. Why don't we go back to the Father or to God? It, the Course would say, because we think we killed him. The ego says, you killed him. Mm-hmm. If we live in duality and God is oneness, you must have ended oneness to become duality. Mm-hmm. So you murdered him. Mm. <laughs> and that's why we kill our food. And that's why we kill each other. And that's why we project our guilt onto you. And that's why we can't stop judging each other to make ourselves innocent. Mm. I go, well, Stephen's an idiot. He's, he's selfish and greedy. Mm. All the things that I that mm. I am... So I can mm. be innocent, and you'll go to hell, and I'll go to heaven. It's all this like scapegoating projection. And then the Bhagavad Gita comes at it from a whole other aspect of Krishna, God, saying Arjuna doesn't want to fight, doesn't want to kill these other people. Krishna says to him, yes, I do want you to kill those other people, because death is not real. And he says to Arjuna, I have killed them all already. Mm. So it won't be you doing it, which I don't really understand. Mm. It's the opposite of the sort of the Christian concept. Right. But um, so the whole killing thing, you know, is embraced in some crazy way in in this Hindu tradition, you know? Yeah. That, you know, the I am whatever it is, the destroyer of worlds. Yeah. Whatever that was that uh, Oppenheimer said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I come as death or something. What was that? Destroyer yeah, something of, like that. Yeah, Katie's gonna Google it kindly <laughs> for us. We'll all know when we see that <laughs> yeah. Nolan movie. Anyway, we're up. getting deep here. You got to have Rabbi Finley here. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're doing wonderful. Yeah. I mean, you're 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 lighting me up. The rest, I just know the rest of the day is gonna be great because we did we went to this step together. What do we got? I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. I am mm. become death, the destroyer of worlds. Yeah, it gets heavy. See, that's why. But that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I that's think what the it, way yeah. Christians looking at. It. Well, in our culture, death is the absolute worst. Yes, abomination. And this is Ram something Dass. crazy about that. I think you know, Ramdas right there. His picture is up there. Oh, that's right. He used to say, "It's like is he we, still alive." Ramdass? He died eighty-eight. He uh, died when he was eighty-eight. Um, uh, he's like, we run out, and the tr- the leaves are turning orange, and we paint them green. Like that's our whole society. Mm. And he goes, our religion is staying alive, and the high priests are the doctors, and the churches are the hospitals, and it's like, we can't look at it. We put makeup on our corpses, we, we put them in suits, and we visit them and eat cheese. Like, we can't fucking handle it. But I always think that it's, I, I quote it all the time, but it's in the Tao Te Ching, it goes, no, it's in, yeah, it's maybe the book of the Tao, but um, maybe that's the same thing, I've never even known. <laughs> He goes. Uh, you should have been born back in the '60s. You, know, you should have been, a, you know, 20 years old in 1969. Wouldn't yeah. that have been dope? <laughs> maybe I was. <laughs> maybe, you <laughs> maybe you knew me, man. Maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe my son, and I don't even yeah. know. <laughs> but it says those that find their way in the morning can gladly go in the evening. But we don't have that. We have just keep it going. This whole world. This is a dark thought, but this whole world runs on not me, not yet. Hmm. Yeah, true. true. It's other people are dying. Other people are sick. Not me, not yet. Not me, not yet. Another day, my passport got stamped again. Not more hamburgers, more movies, mm-hmm. 
more more uh, sex, more Skittles. But it's like it can't Ooh, be Skittles. that. Skittles are great. <laughs> Skittles are great. Yeah, great. But it can't be that because the day you die will be just like today. It'll be another moment, and the quality of your consciousness in that moment is, I think, what matters. How you've learned to embrace all adversity, including the cessation of your breathing. Mm-hmm is the whole thing. It can't just be Skittles and jizzing. It can't. Now, if if we go back to what we were talking about before about the ego and the self, and uh, I'm going to lose my train of thought here, but um, it's the old thing of are we spiritual beings having a material existence or are we, uh, you know, material things having, having a having a spiritual existence and and uh if if that's if we are spiritual beings having a material existence and the ego is this bad thing then are we simply in exile from whatever world exists Mm -hmm. beyond the curtain Mm -hmm. and in that case Maybe we shouldn't be so afraid of that world, right. you know, whatever that is. Gradually, and maybe we've, yeah, maybe we've just talked ourselves into it. It's the it's the ego it running the ego. rampant, you know, and convincing us yes. that uh, you know. There's like a great quote. Uh, have you ever read? Um, there's actually a, a, a Penguin paperback called "The Last Days of Socrates," mm-hmm. and it has like the three or four dialogues that Plato wrote when Socrates had been convicted and was in the cell and was waiting to die. Are you familiar no, with this at all? No. Uh, it's, it's really amazing, you know, because here was like one of the smartest guys that ever lived, the most highly evolved, facing his own death. Yeah. And the way it worked was he was in this, this prison, but all of his friends could visit him. And they were there all day long. You know, finally at night, the jailer would kick him out. But, you know, all of his disciples and Mm. acolytes and stuff like that. Mm. And it went on for, you know, a couple of weeks or something like that. While he was waiting, I'll again get wonky on you here. They couldn't execute him. He had been convicted. He was going to be supposed to drink the hemlock. But they couldn't execute him because there was a festival where a uh, a boat had gone, to, you know, the, the the spiritual boat with the maidens and the virgins uh, <laughs> had gone to the island of Delos, I think, Apollo. And they couldn't execute anybody until the boat came back. And, of course, there's no radios in those days, so nobody knew when the boat was going to come back. Wow. So they were just sort of waiting, and it was like each day would go by, and it was like, where's the boat? The boat. Mm-hmm. They can't execute mm-hmm. it. Anyway, he says to... Uh, Socrates says to his, his um, the day comes, and he's taking the hemlock. and uh, The poison. They, they, yeah, the poison is going to kill him, right? And uh, he says to his friends, who are all weeping and upset, he says, and so we part, my friends, you to live and I to die. But who knows? Who can say which one is the best of these two, uh-huh. of these two things? Wow. And then they all... They all go, and wow. he goes on. So, and of course, he's who's, absolutely right. Yeah, who's to say? Who's to say? Yeah, nobody's ever uh, come back. Yeah, and been like, hey, yeah. I mean, that's debatable to certain traditions, yeah. but yeah. And I'll give you one other small thing in here, please. The, the he Socrates, you know, they're waiting for the boat, and they have no idea when the boat's going to come back. And Socrates has a dream, and in the dream, a woman in white greets him on the road and she says to him in three days 
to the pleasant land of Thea, which is a place in Greece, a beautiful place, shalt thou go. And sure enough, so he, he said to his friends, the boat will be here in three days. And of course wow. it was. Wow. And, but what the maiden in white or the lady in white said was, you know, to the pleasant land of mm-hmm. Thea shalt mm-hmm. thou go. Mm. So for whatever that's worth, we don't know. Yeah, gladly go, gladly go in the evening. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of when Ramana Maharshi, who was a great Indian saint, was dying. His devotees were also around him and said, don't go. They were saying, heal yourself, ah. like do a miracle. Ah. And he said, don't be silly, where could I go? And I've had some pretty far out, talk about the 60s, psychedelic experiences, uh-huh. where the takeaway was beyond, I just can't articulate it, but beyond a doubt. Uh-huh. Thomas Merton said this too, uh, you don't go to heaven. It's not like leaving and traveling. You you come back into the essence of what you always were. And that was my experience, is, is it's not like a, a rocket, like mm-hmm. Mighty Mouse to uh-huh. another dimension. You're already there. There's just all this muck kind of confusing you. Which didn't Jesus say the kingdom of heaven is, is within you, but, right? Yeah, exactly. Is that what he meant? Do you, I, I, did you interpret that? Absolutely, that's uh-huh. how I interpret it. Uh-huh. It's the kingdom of heaven is here and men do not see it, mm. is this idea. And that's why I think you and I, when we're writing, when we're great music, great art, great movies, honestly, it sounds like, well, how could that be? I think anything that helps you lose yourself, you vanish but you're still there. I think there's something deeply spiritual about an audience listening to the same music. Too. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. consciousness is shared yeah. with the musicians yeah. with each other. And that's why it makes it so... Yeah, their ego has gone away. If you're in the audience, your ego's gone, right? You're just in the music. You don't even know what you're thinking about. And what a great pleasure. And that's yeah. a little reflection of our original state or yeah. of the garden, you yeah. could say. It's this- and it's also really interesting that it's music we're talking about here, with which also mathematics and music are like the same thing, you mm, know? Mm. And they're sort of supernal, you know, beyond, beyond, right? The, right. the music of whatever, the spheres or right, whatever, right. Well, mathematics being the language of, wow. of uh, existence, whatever Einstein said, you know? right. Wow. We're getting pretty deep here, you know? I is this what it. we were going to do? I this is what this we were supposed a, to do. I thought it was a comedic. No. no. Huh. As I always say, we stopped trying to be funny about 10 years uh-huh. ago on this show. It's not really a chuckle hut anymore. But I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm, try, this, I'm trying to remember it was Beethoven that said something similar. It was, it was like if people could understand. I'm badly paraphrasing. Mm. It was like if people could understand one symphony that I wrote, like fully, they would know God, uh-huh. basically. It was, it was very... And I'm sure he's right. Yeah. I'm sure he was... Well, you said the first lesson in the Course in Miracles, uh, this blank doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. This cup doesn't mean anything. Eckhart Tolle said, if you could understand just that one lesson, that's the whole thing, mm. is that you're a meaning-making machine. I, I'm discerning between the atoms between us and the atoms that are me and the atoms that are you and going like, these are three things, the air, you, and me but it's also one thing and it's very scary to lose meaning we we can praise our ego too and go like thanks for helping mm-hmm. keeping us calm yeah yeah huh yeah it's a, it's a little too much to go like yeah. steven it, it helps me to call you steve yeah 
<laughs> yeah. It's a little but too But we freaky. can't live in a psychedelic world all the time. That's right. Because we're just, you know, we have to get up and fry some eggs, you know, for breakfast. You that's know? right. And that's where the ego, you know, proves its value to that's us. That's right. Yeah. But it's funny, this is going back a couple ideas ago. But again, to talk about the scapegoating, we were talking about if you achieve things, the ego stops existing. Like if you find your flow and, and start mm-hmm. seizing your potential, the ego gets shaky. That's one way to explain why resistance exists. It goes like, let's keep you small. Let's keep you manageable. Yes. And that's what the ego does. And then I, I think it made me think of people that are like, well, America just wants to keep you consuming. Like it just wages wars and it just wants you to buy stuff. And I'm like, that's what the ego does. It's the same thing. Like, stop acting like it's so exotic. The reason it's so offensive to us is because that's what we're doing to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Not me, not yet. Just yeah. keep buying. Yeah. Just keep coming. Just keep eating. Yeah. Just keep sleeping. And I'll run the show. That's the shadow government. That's the real Illuminati. Yeah. Is yeah. the thing that's going like, pay no mind to the man behind the curtain. But there's this greater inheritance. Jesus has all these great parables about it, but one of them that I love is, it's like the man that uh, was in a field and he found a treasure buried under the ground. So he went to the people selling the land and bought the field, knowing that he could Mm -hmm. get the treasure. So he sold everything that he owned to buy the field, knowing that there was a treasure. That's powerful. You don't even need to really fully understand Mm -hmm. it, but it's like there's something somewhere, it's in you, Mm -hmm. it's buried, Mm -hmm. like a treasure Mm. that's worth giving up everything for, Mm. but we're too busy. It's one of the reasons I'm not too worried about AI is because our desires, (laughs) I know our desires are so insane. They're all respect based. They're spatial. They're psychological. I want you to respect me. I want you to tell me I'm important. I can't see a machine going like, why didn't you tell me I was cool? You know Uh, what I mean? And it may surprise you. You think it might, you know, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't even want to think about it. It's too scary to me. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. But, as long as but, it's not it's not in space, though. Like we want to work and achieve and humiliate our our foes and win, so we can have a house by an ocean, right? AI doesn't want a house by an ocean. It wants pa- it wants literal electricity. It wants ah. electricity. So that's the great. I, I wonder about that. <laughs> you think it'll go like? I mean, I don't understand what it is anyway. But yeah. maybe it will want a house by the ocean. You know, maybe it will want. Uh, you know, uh, but we want ultimate those, dominion over whatever. We want those things because an ocean looks like resources that keep us alive. Like we're so stupid that we go like water. Mm commerce recreation Mm. hydration Mm. a computer isn't gonna go like i just need to know where the farms are (laughs) like Uh, it doesn't care well i don't know i hope you're right i hope you're right uh well for the record ai (laughs) i've always spoke up in your defense tell me just some good go what you have something no go ahead go ahead give me some good old-fashioned off the i wasn't planning on asking you this but here you are a man i respect I feel like I would want to be asked this question. Give me some give me some wisdom. Give me some of those things that have carried you through. Uh, we've covered a lot of them, so don't yeah, feel like you owe me anymore. Yeah, we've hit everything, yeah. But if you have some of those things, I, I'm I'm 44, people listening are 20, 22. There's things that you might assume they know, but give me, we just have so few people that have been there, done that, and can articulate it. 
Are there little mantras that you've carried, little maxims, things that people have impressed on you? I know this is in the book as well. Would you share just some, <laughs> uh, totally aside from from your work, just what is that life wisdom that that you that's changed your life? Well, I'm a believer. Okay, I'll try and. I'm a believer in the muse, the goddess, the goddess who inspires artists, right? And I'm definitely a believer that life exists on at least two levels. We're here on the material level. We're talking about the ego or the flesh that dies. Mm -hmm. But there's another level above, above us. And that's where jokes come from and where movies come from and, and the Ninth Symphony comes from. Mm. And basically... I think our purpose, at least my purpose, and I'll say that to, to anyone creative, and I believe that's everybody, is to believe in, first believe in that other level, and then find a way to reach it. And the way to reach it, in my experience, is through work, is through sitting down and grinding you know mm. sitting down like Showing beethoven up. sits down at the piano and sort of tunes into the cosmic radio station mm. that's the thing up there and in order to to be able to do that he has to first sort of make himself an instrument make himself a vessel make himself a conduit make himself someone who possesses the skills i'm blathering on here but i'll give you the full the full dose you would prefer that i keep laughing who possesses the skills thinking of beethoven yes he can play the piano he can you know uh, write the music but he also has the skills to sit day after day after day when everybody he's deaf when nobody when everybody else thinks he's crazy um and to serve the goddess and to reach that that right. higher level. Right. And that I think is I mean that's the way I try to live my life. Yeah. And it's the the weird part of it is is that it's not cinematic, it's not glamorous, it's tedious, it's boring. It's a montage and, uh, in a movie at best. And it's it's <laughs> digging, you know, it's digging with a shovel, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's my it, I think people think today, young people think today they can do one video that goes viral and they'll become Kim Kardashian, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the world just doesn't work that way. Isn't it fun to think in defense of Kim Kardashian how hard and how much effort she's putting into yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure if we really knew her, she works yes. like a dog. I'm sure she does. That's really fascinating. And what a brilliant, truly brilliant answer. I'm saying, what is your life wisdom? And you're saying, find a higher calling, believe in a purpose, and that is like what I see so missing. I'm, I'm yeah, I think people so, are trying yeah, for it, but yeah. they don't know where to find. Yeah. Now, let me say one other final thing. Please. That whatever that calling is, it's unique to you and unique to me. It's not that you can do anybody else's. Yeah. Your comedy or your whatever it is that you're doing, the movie that your wife is writing, yeah. is unique to you and unique to her. Nobody else could do it. That's, that's the calling. Yeah. So the answer sort of is what it's like we were born with it. We were born with a seed inside us, you know, with this sense of humor or sense of whatever it is. And all we have to do is 
find that. All we yeah. have to do is open ourselves up to it. Like um, Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss. It sounds like a, you know, a kind of a phony baloney yeah. bumper sticker mantra, but it's really true. Yeah. What do you love? What makes you feel great? And follow it. And that aligns with what you were given. So Richard Rohr says the, the meaning of life is to humbly and proudly, I like that because uh -huh. it's a paradox, humbly and proudly return what you've been given, mm. right? Okay, that's so, good. I like Richard Isn't that Rohr. great? Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is something I say to people when they ask. It's like, it, maybe it's not a movie star. Like, fuck it. Stop it. Maybe it's not a movie star. Like, sometimes what's written on your bones to do is just so happens to be what the culture values above all else, which is a movie story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Sometimes it's Tom Cruise. Sometimes it's absolutely not. And we need to get more. It's a lack of imagination thinking I'm going to go to Hollywood and be a this, or I'm going to be a rock star. Like there are other options and you need to broaden the menu of fulfilling mm. deep, important, very well special said. lives, yeah. right? Yeah. But too many of us are just going like, well, I, I guess I have to go viral like Kim Kardashian. Yeah. It's like there are Kim Kardashian levels of all these different places, but we don't, we don't see them modeled. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you one small example that I've thought Please. about on this subject. I have a lifelong friend, my friend Ruthie. She's basically never worked. She's uh, um, she's been married. I don't know three times, I guess. <laughs> and uh, according to any of the sort of t movie star things, she would not be able to check that box. Mm. But what she is in her family, in her extended family, which is a pretty big one, she's the one you go to when the shit hits the fan. Mm. You know, she holds it. To, now, there's no role for that. That's right. You know, there's no label for They don't say that's not like astrophysicist, but that's just yeah. what you're yeah. really saying, Pete. Yeah. That, that we need to have the imagination to say that's just as valid, yeah. if not more valid, yeah. than any of these other, you know, Elon Musk or whatever yes, it is. You that's know? right. So, and of course, there are a million, you know, I don't want to, what you'd call it, roles like yes, that. Yes, that's right. That are not valued. The society doesn't give you a medal for it. They don't tell the story but about that. They're you know. absolutely vital. That is, okay, so it's like, I love that you said valid because it made me think of Val. I was sort of making her laugh telling the story. You mentioned that we live in Ojai. We, we have this beautiful, balanced life. It's filled with like quiet and beauty mm -hmm. and, and like the greatest compliment. People ask Val, what's it like being married to a comedian? She said, I, I can't tell other than we laugh. And uh -huh. stuff, but I'm not like some insane person uh -huh. scrawling on the walls or whatever because we've achieved this balance. It's right for us. It's mm -hmm. not, that is not the fix for everybody, but we found the thing that worked for us. And it happens to be the exact thing that works for me, which is great. So I told Val there's a little story where I was like, I was just making her laugh, just appreciating her being like, I was like this insane monkey in the woods and I had acorns and I spent all day just throwing acorns in a little hole. <laughs> and that's all I did and nobody bothered me and I just got really good at throwing acorns in a little hole but was I fulfilled or happy no I was pretty insane like uh -huh. there were moments of wow I really nailed that acorn but like I had been doing it so long nobody even asked me like how many acorns are in that tree this is not a metaphor for money by the way it's uh -huh. just a skill uh -huh. how many acorns are in that tree have you done that long enough like are you good enough at that mm -hmm. but she came along like a woodland fairy goddess uh -huh. 
a love genius is what she is. Uh-huh. Someone who understands and appreciates what a home can be. I know that sounds very gender normal. No, 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 that's great. What a home can be and what a life can be. And she fucking rescued me. And we took the acorns. Again, it's not a metaphor for money. Uh-huh. It was a skill. Uh-huh. And we were like, well, this can be part of it. Mm-hmm. But I can be so stubborn and, and blindered on that I, without her... So when we're biking around our beautiful town at sunset, uh-huh. I get emotional going like, I wouldn't have done this. I'd be living in a cop's apartment uh-huh. with Venetian blinds uh-huh. and a mattress on the floor, just saving money for who knows uh-huh. what and fucking dying. So is there is that like a, a heralded choice? Not, not culturally. There's not a lot of movies no. about people yeah. like this. But it's the most fucking beautiful. And her life is good. Mm. Her life is beautiful. And not because she's married to a famous person. Because she knows balance. She she understands harmony. She mm. understands friendship. She taught that to me. And then in my small way, I teach her ambition uh-huh. and drive. And uh-huh. so these two flavors, this uh-huh. yin and this yang, came together. That's gorgeous. But nobody's sitting around going like, I could just... Or if they did, they would say just. If I could just be a Val. Uh-huh. Fuck you, just be a Val. Just be a Pete. <laughs> uh-huh. And strive to be a Val. Uh-huh. It's under-celebrated, under-recognized. Uh-huh. Yeah. All these, and there's well, God bless of- you and God bless Val. That's right? an incredible thing, you know? We all need Val. We should end on that note right there. <laughs> Cut. Does that feel it good? It doesn't get any better than that. You know, God bless you. I can't. I'm so struck by your humility. You've let me blab so much this hour. And you. And when I wasn't, you well, were going, we I'm sorry for going. A conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I, I see the, I don't want to, I'll just say it. I see the work you've done on yourself and it's great. It's like hanging out with a giant bell. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> you can ring when you what want to, <laughs> but the rest of the time, there's uh, just all this space for everyone no, else. What no, a beautiful example you no, are. This is great are. that you and Val have this thing. You know, God bless the both of you. <laughs> thank you, know? you. It's great. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks well, for having me here, Pete. You know, and it's been and my pleasure being the dude that you are. You know? <laughs> well, everyone you knows. Meet Rabbi Finley. I'm going to have him on Mordecai. My yeah. boy Morty. Don't let Mordecai throw you off, you know? It's more, <laughs> oh, the, more the Finley, Finley part. You know? yeah. He's more of an Irishman? He, yeah, he's a redheaded dude, you know? And uh, Oh, I can't Yeah, wait. yeah, he's great. Well, we'll all be better for it when he comes on. Thank you. What a privilege to say thank, uh, face-to-face. Thank you for the War of Art. Thank you for Government Cheese. Thank you for everything you've done. And thank you for this time. Hey, great. You know, thanks, Pete. Thanks yeah. for having me would, on here. Would you yeah. say, keep it crispy, it's right over your shoulder in case you want to read it like a cue card. Okay. <laughs> okay, keep it crispy. <laughs> <laughs> My neck won't turn that far. Yeah, you didn't. You don't have to look at it. I like that you, I saw you realize. Why keep it crispy? What's that all about? It just started as a joke, kind of. Uh, but you know what we've been talking about this whole time? Keeping it crispy. Uh, Flow. Uh, Open, okay. honest, real, I like that. crisp, uh, do the work, uh, get in the cold plunge. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Thank you, okay. Stephen. Great.